This is episode number seven with Dr. Georgine Nanos. Welcome to the Good Life Coach Podcast. I am your host, Michelle Lamoureux. The intention of this show is to awaken you to your fullest potential. Join me each week for inspiring interviews to elevate an area of your life, as well as interviews with women entrepreneurs who are creating success on their own terms. Each episode provides actionable tips to guide you to design a life you love. Hi there, this is Michelle. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Good Life Coach podcast. I am so grateful for your time and I'm hoping that the information that you get in these episodes really help you in some way in your life. You know, you can reach out to me anytime over at thegoodlifecoach.com. You can go to the contact page and send me a note and let me know what challenges you're dealing with, and what kind of guests would most benefit you. And I would so welcome hearing from you. And in addition, just as a reminder, on every episode, the show notes are at thegoodlifecoach.com forward slash the episode number, and today's is 007. On today's show, we've got Dr. Georgine Nanos, who's an award-winning doctor who has been recognized by her peers as one of San Diego's top doctors for nine consecutive years by San Diego Magazine. Dr. Nanos is board-certified in family medicine and is the founder and CEO of Kind Health Group. I just love that name, Kind Health Group, which is a revolutionary integrative family medical practice that promotes overall wellness and really has a focus on preventative care, which is really what we're going to be covering today. As part of Dr. Nanos's unique concierge practice, she offers holistic health coaching to her patients, which I think is amazing, and also offers cosmetic procedures that are non-surgical as well. She shares a lot of really interesting and useful information today, and I learned a few things that I didn't know about, which includes the number one killer of women in the United States, as well as a huge issue right now with doctors and depression. I'm going to leave it there and Just as a reminder, anything that you learn on today's show is not to be considered medical advice. You should always consult with your own primary care doctor, physician, or other qualified practitioner. So let's meet Dr. Nanos. Hi, Georgine. Welcome to the show. Hi, Michelle. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to have you on. And the reason that I asked you to come on, Georgine, is because I feel like what you're starting is incredibly innovative and progressive, and it's going to be the future of medicine. I may be optimistic, but maybe in 20 years, there'll be uh, a practice, the, the kind of practice that you're creating, and it'll be more mainstream. And maybe it's because I hope that'll be the case. I do feel that we have a model now that is too rushed and too hurried, and it's more focused on sick care versus uh, preventative medicine. And that's, in fact, what you're focused on yourself. Um, I really wanted to get into your story because you uh, were 
in a practice for 12 years, in a very successful practice, and you decided to launch this innovative model and just go on your own. And I was curious, what was the mindset? What took you to this place? And, you know, had had this been something that was in your mind and hard to do for a long time? Thank you so much. Yes, um, I'm hoping that this will also become the future of medicine. But I was, um, I'd been thinking about doing this for a long time, I'd say at least the last five or six years, maybe longer. Um, I was in a, a, a very successful, wonderful practice with great people. I had great partners um, and they were great to work with. However, the method in which we delivered care to our patients was very stressful and I felt very incomplete. I I love my job. I love practicing medicine with every fiber of my being. It really is something I'm very passionate about. But the model that we have today really doesn't deliver care in the way that most doctors were trained to deliver it in a very comprehensive way. I only had five to 10, you know, best case scenario, 15, 20 minutes with people scattered throughout the year, you know, at best two or three times a year to deliver really important information to people and to really listen to their stories. It was hard to do that in a, in a, in a meaningful way. And so I'd see about 25, 30 people a day. And at the end of the day, feeling like I wasn't taking really good care of people in the way that I felt they deserve to be cared for. And so this was a, a, a way to do things differently. So I think I should mention that the way that I actually found Dr. Nanos is I was moving to San Diego and I did my research and she was voted best of San Diego nine years in a row. And that was good enough for me. And it was close to my home. And so my first impression of you was, it was so, it's such a unique experience. I'd never had a doctor come in, never having met me before, and welcome me so warmly and so genuinely and connect with me as a person first versus just diving right in. So the model you talked about, I think we can all relate to where you feel, even if the doctor is fabulous, I've had really wonderful doctors that I've worked, that I've had the pleasure of being my doctor, but it always has felt rushed. And you, even within the traditional model I don't know how you did it, but you never made me feel that way. And I always felt that you answered my questions thoroughly and that I was in good hands. And I think the other challenge is that what happens is you see your doctor on the well visit, but then when you're sick and you really want to see your doctor and keep building that relationship, you're with a PA or a nurse practitioner or another doctor and it's just very disjointed and you don't really feel like they know your history enough. And so as as a holistic health coach and as a mom and just as somebody who's passionate about good health, I always say you have to be your own advocate, but the model you're creating is allowing for that relationship. So um, could you tell us more about, um, about what it is that you actually created? And again, I'd love to get into the why, but let's start with, with what you've created and then we'll get into the why. Okay, sure. So what I wanted to do was create a model that focused on prevention and also allowed people the time that it takes to build that relationship. Because really, frankly, it takes a whole lot of time to have people really be able to tell their story and feel like they're being heard in in a clinical setting. And it's, it's 
very hard to do. I'm I'm glad you 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 had a really good experience the first time you met me, but it's it's hard to pull off 25 30 times a day, you know, in in a very rushed setting and and I certainly tried to do it as much as I could, but it, I wasn't always successful. At least I didn't feel like I was. And so um in this new model, what we've done is we we take a a much smaller group of patients and um, and yeah, I had 4,000 patients assigned to me in my previous practice, which is an extraordinary amount. Typically, most full-time doctors take about 2,500, maybe 3,000 at the most. So this was a really crazy volume of people to care for, um, and to do it well was very challenging. So in the in this new practice, we charge a membership fee for patients, and and in this way, we can cover our costs and and care for a smaller group of people. And in doing so, what we can provide is a much uh, more comprehensive level of service where they can come in and spend an hour or two if they need to. If someone calls up for an urgent need, I tell them, come right in. I will see you. We'll make time. Um, so it's it's designed in a way that's centered around the patient so that we can address their needs as as quickly and as comprehensively as possible. And if, for example, a patient can't come in or if they're traveling, I can do a Skype visit with them. If they just need to talk about something over the phone, we can just talk it through at any time, really. And what's interesting is people say to me, well, don't you feel like you're at everyone's beck and call all the time? But what's what's fascinating about this is that People are, they're really respectful of, of my time and so that I no one ever calls me in the middle of the night because they know they can always get me. So um, it, it's interesting that it's it's been it's been a wonderful way to practice where I can really take care of people in, in a meaningful way um, and really address all of their needs. So I applaud all of that because, like I said, I felt like you did it within the traditional system as as well as you could. 4,000 patients sounds like unbe- an unbelievable amount of patients, and maybe that's why it does feel the way that it does when you go to the doctor. But not everyone's either going to be able to afford a model or until the model matches what you're doing more traditionally. Like when it, I think it will evolve to what you're doing at some point. Um, moms need to take care of their health and manage it as best they can. And I'll hear women say to me, oh, I haven't had blood work in 20 years, or I don't really know what uh, menopause is supposed to be or what I'm supposed to know. And so there's a lot of confusion and a lot of stress. I'm wondering if we can take a few moments to get into some practical ways for women to manage their health within the traditional system while they explore or have more awareness of what it could be? Because I know that, and this is not the norm, you used to give your cell phone number out to your really sick patients so that, so you could feel good about taking care of them and so that they could have access to you, but that's not the norm. So um, in an ideal world, we would feel really connected to our primary care, but since we can't and we need to manage it, let's walk through... um, you know, what's some, what's the best ways that we can have that good relationship within the traditional model? Okay. Yeah. So what I think the bet, the most important thing is having a, a lot of women tend to uh, establish their first 
relationships with their doctors, with their OBGYNs, which is great. And they do a lot of primary care as well. But having a, once you get past your your childbearing years, having a, a primary care doctor that's focused more on your total health is is also important. And a lot of family doctors also do a lot of GYN medicine. So you can really get all of those services with one doctor. And this way, you can really build that relationship a little more solidly over time. But it's really important that um, they see their doctor at least once a year, especially if you're over 40, to make sure you're getting um, a complete uh, breast exam and pelvic exam and you're getting um, all the necessary screening. And then also what's really important for women is addressing issues like heart disease and making sure your cholesterol is where it should be, that your blood pressure is where it should be, and that you're managing your stress levels as well. And so there's a great public campaign, you know, in the last few decades about breast cancer, but what's equally and more important, I think, for women is really addressing cardiac health for women, which often um, takes a back seat to breast cancer. And, and that's something that sometimes gets forgotten. And so issues like um, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, diabetes um, are really big problems for not just women, but men too, that uh, that your primary care doctor can help you address. And so doing that is really important um, as we as we age. So Georgine, are you saying that heart disease is in fact one of the biggest risk factors for women and that we should be paying more attention to it? Because I think you're right. I think uh, breast cancer or cancer of some sort of cancer is something that we're seeing with either, you know, people we know or ourselves are dealing with it. But heart disease, you don't hear about as much, or if you do, the focus is always on men. So could you help spread uh, some, just shed some light on that for us so we have a better understanding of what we'd be looking for for our own risks and what we should be asking our doctors for to be sure we're in, we have good heart health? Sure. So heart disease is one of the biggest killers of, of women and men across the board. Unfortunately, a lot of that focus tends to be on men, but women are just as much at risk for heart disease, if not maybe more so because we're not um, as well educated about it as as our male counterparts are. So uh, diseases like high blood pressure and um, high cholesterol and diabetes all really impact our heart health over time. And I think there's a lot, there's a big public campaign about cancer, which is, um, which can be frightening, but in, a lot of times we feel like we don't have a lot of control over cancer. Um, so maybe that's the thing that people tend to focus on more. Um, but in terms of heart health, there, there is a lot we can do to mitigate our, our risk for heart disease. Um, and truly we have a lot that we can do to control our risk for cancer as well. And they're all, they all follow the same path, which is really healthy eating and a healthy lifestyle. Um, all of that helps reduce our risk for heart disease and for cancer together. So, um, and that's a big part of what this new model that I've created really, really focuses on. It's getting to the preventive aspect of healthcare and um, helping uh, people find more natural means of 
getting their health in line rather than taking pills all the time. I mean, one of the big things that frustrated me about my previous life in my old practice was every, you know, having so little time, there wasn't enough time to, to really talk to people about nutrition and exercise and stress reduction. And so the easiest thing to do was to write a prescription for Lipitor or for your, you know, high blood pressure medicine. And, and oftentimes that's kind of where we left it with people. And I could say, you know, very quickly, eat less, move more, but that doesn't mean much to people in the, you know, other 364 days of the year where they're not seeing me. So in this new model, what we've done is we have a very robust health coaching program. That's really the part I'm most excited about because we really do a very comprehensive intake of 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 uh, everyone's health history, including the time in their time in utero to their early childhood events, any early childhood traumas, because a lot of those impact how our behaviors are set in adulthood. And understanding those really gives us a really uh, a much clearer idea of of where we are as adults sometimes. So um, so we take all of that information. It's it's built into an online. It's uh, taken in through an online um, form, and then uh, we get a digital roadmap, if you will, of of one's life and have a better um, understanding of that. And then we, with our health coaches, we are able to really sit down with a patient sometimes for one and a half, two hours, which is a tremendous amount of time, and really um, set out some health goals for people so that we can meet them where they are and identify what their goals are to achieving optimal health. That's so fantastic because nutrition is at the heart of wellness, right? And so when you um, aren't feeling well or you're going for issues, nutrition is, you're not ever recommended to see a nutritionist unless you ask, at least that's been my experience. And then it's within a traditional model. You've actually brought in somebody who's functionally medicine trained. Can you speak a little bit more about how you offer your patients a different way of looking at the nutritional aspects and how that in fact does help be preventative for um, their overall wellness, how they can, and how that helps prevent disease? Sure. So our our star health coach is Annie, who is trained by the Institute of Functional Medicine as a certified health coach. And the reason um, we look to this model is because functional medicine really looks at the whole individual and uh, really focuses on a on a mind body and connection, and recognizing that the traditional uh, the traditional approaches to disease aren't necessarily the best ones. Sometimes they are, but it's important to have an open mind and look at a lot of alternative approaches to, to solving problems and throwing a pill at it isn't always the best solution. Not to say that I, I don't prescribe medicine and, and pills for certain diseases. I certainly do, but my preference is if I can avoid giving someone a pill, then that would be that is the the optimal path as far as I'm concerned. Um, and nutrition plays a huge role in this. Um, I think it was I can't remember who said this. May have been Mark Hyman who said there's no there's no weapon against disease more powerful than what's at the end of your fork. Mm. And that really resonates with me. Um, and even even your genetics can be overturned and you can downregulate a lot of these um, genetic predispositions to disease by modifying your diet and your lifestyle as, as best you can. And 
there's still, I mean, there's still people that are going to have heart disease. There's still people that are going to have cancer, but there's a lot that we can do to minimize our risk. So I, I've, I've read about the genetic piece and how, you know, people just say, oh, it's in my family. I'm sort of destined for this future. But is that why you do do the genetic testing? Because that isn't, in fact, the case. What we eat in our environment and, our stra- and the stress that we take in our lives is, in fact, what either turns those genetic markers on or keeps them off. Is that exactly. accurate? That's okay. exactly right. Yes. Yeah. So, Yes, we can certainly we do do genetic testing within our model as well because I want people to understand what their genetic risk is, and a lot of times that helps motivate them to work harder at modifying their lifestyle. And there's a concept called epigenetics where the the idea is that you can upregulate and downregulate your your genetic predisposition with with your lifestyle, and so that's what we're looking at there. So can so what can you tell us what the epigenetics or the genetic testing can actually screen for, let you know what markers exist. So for example, is heart disease one of the markers? Is cancer? What what does it actually look for? So there there are literally thousands of, of genetic markers out there now. And so what we do is we have a genetic counselor meet with each patient via Skype, and they can also Skype in any family members from around the world to better understand their family history, because not everybody knows every detail of their family health history in particular. So we do a really comprehensive uh, genetic analysis of each individual from more of an oral history. And then from there, identify which genetic markers would be appropriate based on their on their family history. So it's really customized to each individual because there really are thousands of markers out there now that we can screen for. And some are for cancer and there are some for heart disease as well. But um, there are, you know, there's just, we really customize it to each individual. As you were talking, Dr. Nanos, I was thinking to myself that as women, we are we run the households. We make sure that our children's health is taken care of. We schedule the well visits. We make sure they get to the dentist twice a year. We even do extra research if there's something that's going on so that we're on top of stuff, that we go to the doctor. We usually are the ones scheduling our husband's doctor's appointments to make sure that they show up because more often than not, they won't unless we're the ones helping them. But I want to focus on the women who are listening, to the moms who have so much on their plate and sometimes don't make their priority as high on the list as everyone else in their family. So what is the top three best pieces of advice you could give a mother out there that's listening to take ownership of her health? So I totally agree that women really under undervalue their own health. It's it's kind of like the the oxygen mask dropping from the plane. You have to really help yourself first in order to help other people. And I, I've said this to my patients many times over the years that they really have to, it, it's women and moms in particular have tremendous guilt about doing anything for themselves, but you really have to practice some self-care and self-love to to take better, we all have to do that to take better care of themselves, of ourselves. I'm, I'm just as guilty of it as anybody else. Um, but I think trying to emphasize sleep more, um, it's really sleep, healthier diets and exercise. And if we can throw in there some sort of meditation and gratitude and, um, uh, 
stress reduction and whatever it takes really to reduce our stress, I think is, is probably the most critical. Can I actually stop you on the sleep part or not even stop you, but just go in a little bit deeper because I actually know so many women who are either telling me that they're really tired or at four o'clock in the afternoon, they want to crash or they're waking up at three in the morning and their mind's racing. Um, what can they do to better manage the sleep? Is that something that their general practitioner can help them with? Is that something, is there a certain test that should be run in order to have better sleep? So there are lots of factors that contribute to good and poor nights of sleep. Um, and, and we call this, uh, sleep hygiene. So, a lot of this, I think, has gotten worse in the last decade as we're more attached to our, our devices. You know, we're constantly um, staring at our phones right before we go to sleep or watching TV. And so a lot of that blue light really dis disrupts our circadian rhythms and makes it hard to fall asleep if you're on your device right up until the moment you go to sleep. So I recommend people totally shut down for at least an hour before you go to sleep, read like a traditional book, not like on a Kindle if you can, um, or on a device. And then, um, limit caffeine as well. I mean, we're, everyone's addicted to their coffee where you're drinking coffee till all hours of the day just to kind of get through those afternoon lulls. And that's not helping you in the evenings. Um, and then exercise is a really, uh, helpful way to get people to sleep as well. So getting enough exercise during the day, but primarily in the morning or in the, um, not too close to bedtime. If you're exercising really close to bedtime, that actually sort of revs you up a little bit and mm -hmm. makes it a little more challenging to fall asleep. But really, exercise throughout the day is very helpful. And then um, meditation also really helps to kind of quiet your mind. Um, so doing that maybe before bed or in the afternoon, late in the evening um, helps to kind of clear a lot of those ruminating thoughts. Um, sometimes journaling to kind of getting those thoughts out of your head and writing them down is helpful to keep them from circulating in your brain at night. Um, drinking a lot of water, avoiding a lot of alcohol before bed. What happens is if you are drinking too much right before bed, it tends to be very dehydrating and can wake you up in the middle of the night. So, um, so those are kind of the, the top hits there. <laughs> Okay. No, those are all really great. And um, it's just making me think too that, you know, you even said even as a doctor, but also as a mom, it's it's easy to, to feel guilt. I don't know why we do. Why do we feel guilty about taking care of ourselves? It's like there's so many priorities in the day that it's easy to push ourselves to the side. And I've actually become very disciplined around this. And that's not my natural state. I'm more of a spontaneous type. Um, but I've really been trying to set myself up in the morning to to meditate and um, to drink a glass of water with a little bit of lemon or lime in it. Um, I'm wondering if there's anything that um, when you mentioned, like, I'm wondering how you walk your talk, because I'm sure that you do, especially you have the access to the health coach now too. So what are some tips that you have found in terms of how to, to take care of your own um, health? So I am trying really hard to eat better, to eat more of a clean diet, try to focus more of a, on a plant-based diet. Um, I have kind of borderline high cholesterol, so it's something I'm, I'm very conscious of and I'm trying to, to change with my eating habits. Um, 
but it's it's also challenging when you have kids because they don't always like to eat all their vegetables. So trying to be creative in 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 um, finding foods that the whole family likes is is a challenge. Is a challenge, but um, it's something I'm trying to do as well. I'm trying to exercise a whole lot more um, these days and trying to find time to do that. And then trying very hard to meditate and quiet my mind as a entrepreneur and a mom and a doctor. It's that is extremely challenging for me. Um, but, uh, I, there's a couple of apps that, um, I've used in the past that have been helpful. I've used the Headspace app and then there's another one, um, uh, that I like that I use for my kids. I'm trying to remember the name of it now. Um, that's been very helpful, uh, cause that helps for them as well to get into that habit. And then, trying to, um, practice gratitude and, um, keeping a gratitude journal is also helpful as well. So we have a similar, um, focus too. So I do, I like Headspace a lot. I like the guy's voice. So I'll actually link that up in the show notes. There's another app called Calm that people like. I haven't used that one. I guess I can even read you stories at night to help quiet your mind. Um, but I do agree that being able to meditate and find, even five to 10 minutes, because I find that when I do it consistently, I want to stay there longer. Um, yes. Right. So that's very useful. Um, so you talked about being an entrepreneur. So let's just go. So part of the reason um, the show is, exists is beyond just um, talking to thought leaders like yourself about how to either take care of your health or or your business and stuff is to also feature and talk to moms who are designing a life they love. Now, again, you left a very, very successful practice where you didn't have to worry about patients. I mean, 4,000 a year is you got a ready book of business and you took the leap, Georgine. You just, you went out on your own and you're also doing it in a way that isn't mainstream, which is also another risk. So can you just, what prompted this and uh, how did you figure out what steps to take to, to make it happen? So I am 46 years old and I was trying to think about what, how I wanted the rest of my life to be. And I, I kind of felt that I couldn't keep up that pace in medicine the way in, in that previous model for another 20 or 30 years. I really love practicing medicine and I wanted to do it as long as I possibly could. And, you know, way beyond traditional retirement because I really enjoy it, but I couldn't see myself doing it this way for another 30 years. And I felt like this model, this previous model really was truly broken. And so in order for me to do something different, I would have to fix it in my own way and build something new. Um, and I really wanted to do it early before it got to the point where I was, I, I was headed towards burnout in my, in my previous practice. And I wanted to get to a place where I can build something new and fun that I really enjoyed before I got completely burned out and didn't have the, the mental resources to, to move forward. And I was worried that that was where I was headed. So, um, so I decided to, to really take that leap. Um, I also went through a really difficult time in my life. Personally, I went through a, a very challenging divorce, um, which was a, a huge personal um, 
struggle. And I think when women and men, when we go through really difficult times like that, it really forces us to look inward at the decisions we've made in our lives and really take a hard look at, at what we want our future lives to look like. And so that time really, that experience really helped me reflect on on trying to make better choices for my future self. And so this was kind of where I ended up. I think what you shared is so beautiful on so many levels because you are to to look towards the future and then work back. And you were seeing that this wasn't going to be, you weren't going to, you were going to burn yourself out and you were going to be taking away your joy, which is in fact practicing medicine. That is clearly your joy. Like I said, just from when I met you, it's, it's such a part of who you are. It's why you chose to go to medical school. It's why you're doing what you're doing. And so I really commend you. And also um, thank you for sharing something so personal, because I think that's, part of the truth of what happens when we hit dark times in our lives and it becomes an opportunity to awaken to what's possible. And so I commend you for your strength to just having done that. So thank you for sharing all of that because I think that will be helpful to other women listening. So I think at this point, uh, it would be a great time to, um, I just curious, just ask, because I, I do want to remind people of the goodness of others and everything that you're doing is really uh, very inspirational. I'm curious, do you have a happy story of working with a client that really drives the, home the importance of either making your health a priority or just some good news about having worked with a particular patient um, that you could share? Sure. So. Um... I have lots of them, but there's one in particular that I'm most excited about. Um, and I tell this story a lot. It's a, a patient, a longtime patient from my previous practice. I'd known her for 12 years and she's about my, maybe a little bit older than me. And we, um, I'd seen her about two or three times a year in my old practice, kind of same story every um, four or five months. Um, 15, 20 minute visits. And she really struggled a lot with um, weight issues, blood pressure, anxiety. Um, and we'd have the same conversation um, that was, you know, an abbreviated version of, of eat, eat less, move more, <laughs> stress management and all that great stuff. And, and nothing really changed for her over more than a decade. And she decided to follow me to this new practice. And in the span of six months, she's lost almost 30 pounds. She feels healthier than she's ever been. She uh, is very involved with our health coaching, um, the health coaching aspect of our practice. Um, what we do, the other part I wanted to mention about the health coaching, which is really cool and unique, is that the first visit is usually in our office, but all the subsequent visits are out doing something, going for a walk on the beach. We're very fortunate to have our office about four blocks from the Pacific Ocean. So what we do is um, our health coach meets the patients in the office and then takes them for a walk on the beach or they can go paddle boarding or she can go on a grocery store tour with them or do a pantry clean out or something that's meaningful and not just sitting behind the uh, sitting in the office. So in the course of these last six or seven months, this patient has just seen a dramatic life change. So what we will also do is sync um, 
uh, patients' wearable devices to our app. And so we can interact with them on a daily basis through the app, uh, as well as in-person visits and really um, engage with them and keep them accountable. And so this level of accountability has really made drastic changes in people's lives in, in such a meaningful and positive way. It's just, and she's not the only one. We've had many success stories like that. So even with a very small sample in a short amount of time, we've seen just tremendous changes, which are just so inspiring to me. And I'm hoping that, you know, we can have more data over time to make this more of the norm because seeing that, you know, knowing this person for so long and seeing such a change in a short amount of time is really inspiring. I, I think the word accountability is what stuck out because as you were talking, I thought, well, what was different? And I thought maybe is it the accountability model? And it sounds like that's a, exactly what it was. Was it, Exactly that, right? that, yes. Yeah, to have that support system. And I would say to anyone listening, find that accountability, whether that's a health coach near you or a friend who's got the same goals, team up with somebody and partner with them on your wellness because I think we are more likely to show up for others than we are for ourselves. So if we know someone's counting on us, it helps. Absolutely true. Right? It makes that shift. We do because as women, we tend to be givers and wanting to support and help. There's nothing we won't do for somebody that we care about. And so I think that's a great story to highlight one way to take ownership of your health, especially if you've been stuck and nothing works. I really urge patients to try to find a doctor that will listen to them. Mm-hmm. Um, they are out there. Um, mm-hmm. And really feeling like you are being heard is very important because if you're, if you have a, a broken relationship with your physician, then that it doesn't serve you well at all. So I would say keep looking until you find the right fit. They, they are, they do exist. Um, the other point I want to make is this, our health coaching model that, we um, launched in January of this year has actually been so successful that we are offering it to people outside of the the membership model of practice now. Um, we're going to be doing that in the fall uh, because we want to make it more widely available to other people who don't necessarily need or want me to be their doctor. It's not, I don't necessarily need to be everyone's primary care doctor in order to still offer this service. And so we want to make this more widely available and it can be available virtually as well um, for people that want to try it no matter where they are in the country or the world. That's so fantastic. I didn't know you were doing that. That's so great. So we can um, link to your site in case people are curious and want to uh, see how they could be paired up with a health coach for accountability and for their own preventative wellness. Um, Right. That's fan- that's fantastic. I think again, this is the future. Um, at least again, I it's my hope that mainstream. It's my and- hope too. Yeah. I, I really i I wish that this could be available to every single individual. Yes. Um, but we're just not, like you said, we're not there yet, and we need more models like this out there to show the big insurance companies that this is a way more cost-effective approach to medicine. And and, um, like we were saying earlier, our current model isn't really healthcare, it's disease care. It just focuses on small interactions when people are sick rather than getting ahead of the game and focusing on prevention, which is really where we can all benefit. Right. And you even touched upon it when you said you were getting burnt out. I just saw an article 
uh, that Ariana Huffington wrote that said something like two thirds of all doctors are either depressed or burnt out in this country. I could link to that article as well. I don't think it was specifically talking about primary care doctors, but it was of all doctors. So the problem isn't just uh, the, the system's broken on many levels. Right. The system is just broken oh, yeah. on many levels. So the, the issue of physician burnout has been widely it's 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 a widely discussed issue among physician circles for the last several years. And it's getting worse. Um, I think the rate of physician suicide, sadly, is higher, disproportionately higher um, than in other professions in the last several years, which is really, really sad. I, I wasn't even aware of that. That is very sad. Just from the stress of it all, or exactly, yeah. Wow, that's unbe- that's unbelievable. So this, and this is again why I wanted to have you on because I believe that with awareness, change happens. So when you set the bar higher in terms of what's possible, then things start to shift. So now people have, oh wait, there's there could be a a model that allows me not to just get medicine anytime I'm sick, but to look at something preventatively to give me health care, to check my genetics. This is so great. I'd love to wrap up the interview with asking you some rapid fire questions. And I'd love to know, how does Georgine define success? What does that mean to you? Um, I would say finding joy and happiness every day, um, going into work and not feeling like it's work is, would be success. Um, having happy children and healthy children is also my definition as well. Um, happy family as well. So, Georgine, who has most influenced your life and gave you that sense of confidence to go out and launch your own business? Um, I'd say person would probably be my dad, um, who has passed away about 15 years ago. But my dad um, immigrated to the United States from Greece when he was in his 20s and um, really came here with nothing and had a... um, a great sense of adventure and entrepreneurial entrepreneurialism and um, really made a lot for himself and just really gave me the courage and the, the strength, the inner strength to really achieve my dreams, which was interesting for that time being an old world kind of guy he really um, empowered me as a woman to really achieve everything I wanted. Um, so uh, to for I give him all the credit for that. Is there a, a book that you could recommend that you find is has most influenced your life that would be beneficial to the women listening? Um, I love so many books, and I I read many different kinds of books. Um, I love uh most recently i listened to uh notorious rbg about ruth bader ginsburg which was really an inspiring book for women i think all women should read that book um i love listening to audiobooks with my kids and we tend tend to do a lot of nonfiction books um and we just listened to i am malala uh which is also a really inspiring book for for everyone to read um but my kids really loved it so um, I can go on. There's, <laughs> but that's uh, those are the most recent ones. What piece of advice could you give a woman out there who has a dream in her heart that wants to launch something but is afraid? Is there any advice that you could give her to take the leap? Um, 
Yes, absolutely. Just do it because you're don't, I mean, there's nothing, I think living with regret for not doing something is way worse than failing. I mean, you, I feel like to have tried and failed is better than to have never tried at all. So there's, I, I think that you just have to go for it. There's never going to be a perfect time or a perfect moment. I think a lot of times as women and people in general, we get stuck waiting for the perfect opportunity to to take that leap or to make that next step or to make that change. And life is never going to be perfect and there'll never be a perfect opportunity. So I think you just have to go for it and then adjust as you go. That was the perfect way to wrap up this interview. Thank you so much. That was really well said, and I couldn't agree with you more. Um, so for people who are interested in learning more about your practice, where can we find you? Website, uh, social media, where, where, where do you hang out? We're everywhere. So we're at uh, www.kindhealthgroup.com. And we're also on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and that's it. And would they <laughs> at look? Kind Health Group. Okay, thank you. At is it um, at kind they're, health? They're all linked on the website. Yes, they're all linked on the website. I'm not a I'm not a great social media person. Okay, and lots of people that help me do that. So okay, so we'll we'll find you. I'll I will do the homework and I will link it up in the show notes. Thank you again for everything that you've shared today. You've been such a pleasure, and I'll look forward to talking to you soon. Thank you so much, Michelle. The pleasure was all mine. I hope you enjoyed that interview as much as I did. I'd love to hear what resonated with you. So come on over to the goodlifecoach.com podcast page. While you're there, you can look at all the show notes from today's episode and join my newsletter. As a thank you, you'll receive the first chapter of my book for free. Thanks so much for listening and bye for now.